With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe back with you once again. Rob, what's up, man? We made it to September. <laughs> we did. I, I didn't know if we would at times. Yeah, it's just it, it's, we've gone over this throughout the last several months just of how time is just really a weird concept right now and uh how March seems like it's years ago and we finally made it to September and I was thinking this morning just you know um you know how our discussions back from you know April and May and I I may have I, I may not have this my memory's not what it used to be but I remember in my mind thinking oh we'll have Big Ten football you know, when it, yeah. when it was back in April and May and we were going through the early quarantine, I was like, we'll fix this. We'll have football. And now what we have is just freaking anarchy. <laughs> it's, it's and it's, it changes every day. You know, you and I are recording this late morning on Tuesday, September 1st. And honestly, by the time this hits like podcast feeds, things may have changed. And certainly by yeah, the time I'm going to try to get this thing posted as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, so it's that. as fresh as because who the heck knows what's going knows what's going to happen in the next five minutes. Exactly. You know, as we embark on September and, and really what should be game week for the Hawkeyes this week and, and obviously is not for, for Iowa or, or any power five school that, that I'm aware of. Um, you know, the, I guess now the question is, when will we see the Iowa football team on the field? Will it be a year from now? Will it be a month from now? Will it be sometime in between those two? It feels like at this point anything is possible. Uh, and and as you said, you know things are just changing so quickly. I mean, I saw this morning already uh, President Trump has tweeted and, and other people have confirmed that uh, he has spoken with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren about the possibility of, of beginning a season maybe even earlier than you know the the Thanksgiving season that was thrown about last week and uh, talking about some rapid testing capabilities that the government has and um, you know I guess we can debate somewhere else about uh, if the priority for the government's rapid testing capabilities should be spent on Big Ten football uh, but for this podcast we can talk about it uh, in our kind of athletic bubble um, it's I, I guess. At this time a week ago, Rob, I was convinced that the the thought of a fall season at all was was probably done for the Big Ten, and and maybe things had had moved to a a January or February start a shortened season there, and then see what you can do. 
uh, next next fall. I know Gary Barta said one of his priorities was, uh, and then kind of the priority of the thoughts of the people was, you know, make sure we can have a full season next year. So you don't want to do anything uh, this or next spring to uh, inhibit that. But um, <laughs> how confident are you that there's not going to be Big Ten football in 2020 at this point? Does the president not care about the Pac-12? Sorry, rhetorical question. Those aren't swing states, Rob. Those aren't swing states. <laughs> you said that, not me. That was. <laughs> um, I'm pretty confident that there's not going to be Big Ten football anytime soon, and for a couple reasons. One is Iowa hasn't even had a padded practice yet, mm. and it's and we just said at the top of this podcast it's September first. Even if you and and we'll get to this portion of, you know, we'll get to this story later in the podcast. They can't even start practicing until next week now because Iowa athletics is shut down and paused. So at earliest, I mean, if this decision was made today, Iowa can't even start training camp or offseason. You're going to have to go back into conditioning from the jump because the players basically were sent home at the beginning of last month or whenever that decision was made and stopped training. So you got to get them back into condition. Then you got to get them back on the field. Then you have to get them in pads. You're talking at least a month. So that puts you at the beginning of October as it is. That's if everything breaks right. So, you know, and for those that haven't seen it, and I will, I'll read this. Um, Donald J. Trump had a very productive conversation with Kevin Warren, commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, about immediately starting up Big Ten football. We would we would be would be good parenthetical reference, great exclamation point for the, everyone, players, fans, country, on the one yard line exclamation point. You're not on the one-yard line, no. this, and this is not political. You're, you're just not there because of the time element here and what has already happened. You need to have teams – you can't just throw guys out on the field and say, hey, let's play football. They have to train. They have to prepare to do that. Um, and then there was also a tweet from Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune not long after – President Trump tweeted saying so much for Big Ten season options of Thanksgiving, January slash February or the spring. Just spoke to one coach who said we're trying to play as soon as possible. Let's go. So. Well, in in response to that, I think we've learned if we've learned anything this from this, Andrew, the coaches and the athletic directors are not making this decision. Right. They're just not. This is a president's decision. And we're again, another story we'll talk about on the pod was the vote. And it was pretty uh, one-sided, the vote. So just to me, the overarching feeling I have for this, Andrew, and I, I don't want to go on too long and ramble here, but... I'm tired of having my emotions played with. <laughs> yes. You know, it's enough. I, I they're they're giving false hope um to people that maybe aren't as uh knowledgeable of what goes into starting a football season. They're not on the one yard line 
they're not immediately going to start Big Ten football. Uh, you know, it's it's not going as soon as possible. Like Teddy Greenstein tweeted, is October to me at the very earliest, and I don't see that happening. And I don't see these presidents reversing course. That's just my opinion on this. Um, Certainly, I would love to see Big Ten football if it could be done in a safe manner. But I also live in Iowa City, Andrew, um, and uh, things are not going well here. No, no, they are not. And and as you said, we'll we'll get to why Iowa is not working out in any sports right now uh, in a few minutes. But I I think what you hit on is exactly right. And until I see a report or some sort of uh, statement from a university president who or chancellor who voted the other way that they you know they're starting to waver they they think it can be done things have changed they've seen whatever it is they needed to see um this is the president's decision, and and I, and that's not that's not possessive with an apostrophe there. It's not Donald J. Trump's decision. It is the president's of these fourteen universities' decision, and and it's not Kevin Warren's decision or Gary Barta's decision or Kirk Ferentz's decision or anybody in their positions. And so we we know that most of the parents, most of the players, most of the fans, most of the media, most of the coaches, most of the athletic directors all want to play. Do most of the presidents want to play? And as we found out uh, through through a report that the Big Ten had to put out, essentially in in response to a, a lawsuit brought on by some Nebraska players, uh, the presidents don't want to play. They, they don't want to take on this risk. They they think it's not safe. Um, now we again, I've, we've said this several times. I don't like how the Big Ten has handled this. I don't like the PR aspect of it. I don't like the communication. It hasn't been clear and it hasn't been handled well. But that doesn't mean I think they're making the wrong decision. And it's again eleven to three is is lopsided, as you said. That's one sided. That's a decisive victory for not playing sports this fall in the Big Ten. I don't see, I, and I haven't seen anything, and, and it, maybe it's because I'm not privy to this information. I wasn't a part of the phone call between President Trump and, and Kevin Warren. Maybe they have stuff that, that we don't know about yet. But I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, in my head, figure out what piece of information or what new thing is going to convince you know five of these presidents and, and chancellors to go the other way. And then even in that case, Rob, What's it going to look like when half of the league is for this and half of the league is not for this? Uh, there will certainly be teams that decide not to, to go ahead and do it. Um, so then you're talking about revamping a schedule and, as you said, getting players back into shape. You can't just throw players out there, uh, especially not in Big Ten games. Uh, there, there is no warm-up. There's no preseason games going on here. Um, and, and then we don't really know the COVID situation in a lot, of these, a lot of these places. We know what it is in Iowa City, and that's very, very bad. Uh, and we don't really know what what impact you know students being back on campus and other at other universities is going to have. So I I think like you I, I don't think football will be played this fall in the Big Ten. And honestly, Rob, at this point, and and this is hard because I get why these reports are coming out and why these coaches and things are saying this, but. The, the longer this lingers on, the kind of less respect I have for the Big Ten's decision. Because I respected the Big Ten. Whether or not you agreed with the Big Ten, you have to respect the the ability to make a strong decision and, 
an unpopular decision, a controversial decision, but one that you think is in the best interest, that you think is right, and that you think ultimately will win out and, and will look smart in the long run. Um, when you make a decision like that, you have to then stand by it. You have to, uh, if, if you can't defend it for whatever reason publicly, you have to at least stand by it and, and be solid in that decision. And this wishy-washiness, this talk of playing on Thanksgiving, like things are going to be different on Thanksgiving than they are right now. I don't think anybody truly believes that. Um, it just really kind of calls more into question why you made this decision in the first place. Are you sure that you can't play football? And if not, how the hell could you have canceled the season already? And if so, why are you still entertaining this stuff? Uh, you, you just... They had to make a decision and stick with it, and it just feels like they haven't done that. And for me, that's the most disappointing thing. And as you said, I'm sick of having my emotions played with. Uh, I need to know when I'm, when to expect Iowa football. And if that's not going to be till fall of 2021, that's fine. Just tell me that, and don't have me going on Twitter every day and you know having it blow up that things may have changed. Yeah, and it's tough. It's pulling on everybody's emotions. They're watching, you know you know especially just speaking specifically for Iowa fans you know it's they've got to see today that you know Iowa State and Texas are moving their game to Black Friday it's these little knives that are you know and then you want to think okay we're going to be a part of this and then today was just another layer to that and as you were talking about Andrew the communication from the Big Ten has just been horrible why did we have to wait for a lawsuit to find out that the vote was 11 to 3 just say that at the top just release a report like the Pac-12 did 11-12 page report on this is why we are not playing football it just been it's, it's been so mishandled from the jump that it's created a mess and really damaged the Big Ten's reputation in my mind and it's going to take a while for the Big Ten. This is Kevin Warren's legacy right yeah. now. He's going to have to figure out how to rebuild it. I, I know he's, you know, he's less than a year into his tenure, but this has just been a mess. And if the Big Ten is firm on not playing football this fall, react to what President Trump tweeted today. Yes. Come out today with a press release that says we appreciate the conversation with the president. We appreciate that he wants to play football and, you know, the fans want to see football. We want to see football too. We still believe it is not safe. And we we release the vote. We still stick by that. Come out and address this today. Do not let this continue to you know, be a runaway train like it's been for the last month. Get on top of it today. Get ahead of the story. The president has how many million followers? You have to react to this today if you are in the position, if you hold the position that you're not going to change what you decided earlier, that you're sticking with the plan. Say that today. Do not let this take off because it's got that potential to just be more – just keep that train wreck rolling. And, man, I, I want to have confidence that the Big Ten will come out and address this today, Andrew. But I, my confidence is shaken after the last month. Yeah, what in the last month tells you that, that that's something that's going to happen, right? What have they done uh, that gives you confidence that they're going to react to this the right way? Because you're exactly right. If they're firm in their decision, that needs to be stated today because the the president will run with this. This is this is good for him as we get close to an election and there's a turmoil in the streets and there's uh, you know sp- 
spiking numbers around the country and all of this stuff and uh, people are scared and worried it's very good for the president politically to uh, to have his position and, and have his story of, of the day be hey I'm trying to get Big Ten football back uh, and again if, if that's not the case if that's not going to happen that needs to be stated uh, directly and clearly right away and it's going to piss a lot of people off when you do that but it's going to piss more people off and it's going to piss them off a lot more when it ultimately doesn't happen and you weren't clear about that from the beginning and again I respect a tough decision but it's hard, it gets harder and harder to respect when you don't stand by that decision or you start to waffle on that decision uh, because now then it does really call into question something I haven't really questioned which is why did you make this decision you know people have been asking for reasons and, and I think there's the, the reason is probably simple enough that there's a global pandemic. You know, nearly 200,000 Americans have died in the last five months. Th- that's the reason. Um, you may not like that reason, but that is the reason. Now, I wish they had a little more to back that up like the the Pac-12 did or or not that they had more that they were willing to tell us more uh, to back that up but um, it, it's just I, I have no confidence at this point I guess that, that Kevin Warren is going to make that statement uh, and I certainly don't have any confidence that the 11 presidents who voted to cancel football knowing full well what that would mean financially to their universities and their cities and their towns and their states uh, they made this decision not lightheartedly they, they, and they made a hard decision uh, I just can't see them reversing on this uh, really, for for any anything short of of a miracle uh, of the likes of which we haven't seen with this disease yet in this country. Um. So yeah, it's it's just it's hard because as you said, it, it toys with our emotions, it pulls us back and forth, and it really creates this kind of division within the conference. You know, Rob, you've covered this conference for a long time. You've covered Iowa for a long time, and Jim Delaney was this you know kind of. Uh, stoic guy it seemed like and and really kind of uh, led this league uh, into the future do you think things are different if he's still the commissioner I mean how much of this I guess can you put at the feet of Kevin Warren it's hard to know exactly because of the lack of transparency Andrew but I will say that I, I, I now wonder what the dynamic is and how it's changed between what the relationship was was like with um, Jim Delaney, who was around, you know, b- longer than a lot of the presidents at their universities. He was, you know, so there was a different dynamic there. And then if this is a power play by presidents trying to gain some more control over athletics with the new commissioner in there, I think, and this is just me speculating based on, you know, what I've witnessed through the years, I think there what I think the, the, the PR would have been help would would have been handled better because of Jim Delaney's equity and standing. He would have said, "Listen, you know, we have to." Re- I don't know if he would have said, "Hey, we need to," re- you know, "we need to release the vote. We need to, but we need to come out firmly." He, I think he would have come out and said, "We need to come out firmly with a detailed, with detailed reasoning as to why we're not playing football." Um, And I don't know. I mean, there's been some speculation that, you know, Kevin Warren and maybe this was from maybe he got this this seed planted in his head from the presidents and the Big Ten has a uh, high opinion of itself, let's (laughs) say. Yes. And the presidents share that that they may have said to Kevin Warren, listen, we're comfortable with this 11 to three vote. Just, you know, when you get into this meeting with the other conference commissioners, just let them know this is where we're coming from. We're shutting down and they will follow. 
And maybe Kevin Warren said, all right, that sounds good to me, goes into that meeting and the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are like, yeah, that's fine. We're not canceling. Goes back to the president and say, hey, they're not willing to – to uh to do this big 10 presidents say this again this is just me speculating big 10 presidents say ah eh, they're playing chicken we're making the move they'll follow pac-12 follows nobody else does you've got a mess on your hands it is certainly a mess uh, in the Big Ten, and, and again, uh, this may all have been a moot point by the time anybody listens to this, depending on what happens uh, in the coming hours and days, but we'll certainly <laughs> I keep refreshing Twitter, Andrew, as we're <laughs> yeah, doing this like, podcast to exactly. make sure there are, there's not exactly. through yet. Well, uh, another thing that's that's been a mess has been where you are in Iowa City and, and not far north of uh, me here in Des Moines in Ames, uh, where uh, as of Monday morning, they were the, the number one and number two uh, worst places in the country uh, per capita for for new COVID cases. Um, and and we saw yesterday afternoon, or, or it was reported yesterday afternoon, that the Iowa Athletic Department was not immune to that. Uh, last week, Iowa had conducted 815 COVID-19 tests in their athletic department. 93 positive tests were returned with 722 tests uh, negative. That's... Um, that's that basically doubles the the athletic department's positive tests since May 29th, and that was all in one week. Now, the, a lot of things have happened in, in those last couple of weeks. Students came back on campus. Uh, fo- fall sp- yeah, right. Fall sports was canceled, and and you know players were kind of sent home or allowed to kind of do what they wanted, and and maybe without the incentive of having a football season, uh, they let loose a little bit or, or you know let go of some of the precautions. Who knows? Uh, Chad Lysikov, the Des Moines Register, is, is reporting that 11 of those 93 tests are in the football department. Um, well, football players were sent home yes. after they canceled the Big Ten season. So just for instance, like Spencer Petrus, he went back to Northern California. I mean, a lot of guys still stayed on campus here, decided to stay, but quite a few went home too. So you're basically sending them home and then bringing them back along with – 30,000 college students that are partying downtown at the bars, house parties. Um, And then the governor, uh, I guess it was late last week, decided to close the bars and, and try to con, you know control that but at that point it was already out of control yeah and it was the same thing up in Ames I mean we saw pictures on social media a couple of weeks ago when the, the students came back to Iowa City or to, to Ames to Iowa State and uh, and you know all the pictures of parties and bars and crowds and all of that stuff uh, I mean it, it, it's to be expected um, but it, it was kind of a, a whoa moment yesterday when Iowa announces that it it has shut down all workouts, mandatory and and non, uh, in their athletic department through at least September 7th. So through at least next Monday, Labor Day, um, Iowa will not have athletic workouts due to an outbreak of COVID-19 on campus. Um, So even if Iowa, as you said, even if the the go-ahead was given today to to get ready for football as quickly as possible, uh, we're talking weeks and and more than a month likely before before they can get ready. But um, this was... I guess I wonder if this is an indication of what we're going to see in these other conferences as they try to play, uh, because I don't know which eleven people it was in the in the, in the football department. Uh, I don't know if they could feel the team, you know, this Saturday if they needed to. Uh, but this kind of thing is is going to happen. I think all across the country, and it's going to be really interesting to see how these other leagues and teams uh, kind of handle outbreaks of this magnitude, uh, you know, on a game week. 
Yeah, and it's important to point out too, Andrew, that it's not just the eleven; it's the you know the the contact tracing, the people that those eleven players were in contact with. So it affects more than just those eleven people on your football roster. It's it, really it good balloons point. beyond that, and that's what we're seeing. You know, in, with different position groups, I think at LSU and Oklahoma, they've had issues where that you know it's wiped out position groups. Um, I tweeted yesterday just to illustrate. Because I wrote a column, I think two or three weeks ago, saying I think college football could happen in a bubble without having the football players uh, be, you know, have face-to-face contact with general student population. Because basically, this summer they came back, as you mentioned, May 29th. That's when they started testing again, and they had tested. 1,745 people in the Iowa Athletic Department. That's athletes, coaches, administrators, any type of people that are involved in that. And the they had 83 positive tests with one inclusive. So that's 4.8% before last Monday when, the, when in-person classes started again. So you're talking uh, whatever that was, August um, – I can't even remember. 20, 23rd, I yeah, think, was right, last Sunday. Yeah. So, then they be, so then they tested last Monday, August 24th, through this past Sunday, August 30th, and they tested 815 people in the athletic department, and there were 93 positive tests, 11.4. So within that week where there are in-person classes, and as you mentioned, um, and we saw the photos in Ames, the students, you know, started classes last Monday, uh, the 24th, but they'd been back in town for a week or two. So this was all festering over the last several weeks. And then the testing. So basically they were able to contain it, you know, pretty well throughout the summer at 4.8%. And it balloons and, you know, almost triples in one week when you're having in-person learning and you're having your football players and basketball players and all the athletes in the athletic department start to mingle with the general student population. So, you know, it's, it, it was hard to picture them being able to bring students back and still be able to keep the athletes quote unquote protected and having, you know, keeping out, out, out outbreaks from the athletic program. So, um, you know, maybe if they went all online, if that happens coming up here, you, you have a chance to maybe do, do something in January, but I just, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard even over the next several months, Andrew, to be able to keep flatten those numbers if college kids don't follow the guidelines. And it's just, I mean, I, I don't, I know Bruce Harold got on the, uh, the, you know, the bars downtown in Iowa city. Um, I think we've shown since this pandemic started that it's, we've had trouble as a country, uh, following the guidelines. And that's, you know, if you're one of those people of the belief that, you know, people aren't hospitalized or people aren't dying and it's okay. And herd immunity and all those things, you don't worry about these situations, but, I also think that you have to pay attention to these situations and, you know, the, what we heard from the beginning of this is that you have to keep outbreaks from happening and overwhelming your hospitals 
And it's not just these college students that are affected. They affect this community. And, you know, that you think about the impact that, you know, Iowa City schools, of which my, my three kids are a part of, were set to do a hybrid learning. Well, this last weekend, they had to go to online only for the first two weeks because of what's happening in this community and what happened at the college. So it's all interconnected here. And football is just football and athletics are a piece of this. But we, I think we also need to keep it in perspective. Yeah, I know. Like uh, here locally, we we're in the hybrid model of our schools as well. And uh, my wife is on our local school board. And, and one of the things that uh, kind of irked her yesterday on Monday was uh, Iowa State announcing they plan to have twenty five thousand fans in Jack Trice Stadium next Saturday uh, for their first game against Louisiana. And it's like for for her, it's like man, we need to keep these numbers low because if we don't, then schools close. And it, it's like yeah, as you said. Regardless of whether or not you think this is a serious disease or a hoax or whatever you believe personally, um, the bottom line is this is going to affect your life in, in one way or another, and, and the way our leadership handles it is going to affect your life. And uh, you know things like not taking it seriously in one aspect of society is going to affect all of the other aspects of society as well. Um, Rob, I'm, I'm refreshing Twitter as as you are, and uh, Teddy Greenstein, <laughs> Teddy Greenstein of the uh, Chicago Tribune does have a response from the Big Ten. Uh, this is the statement that you and I were thinking might come out, uh, but I will say a quick read through of it. Um, is not quite the statement that, that you and I may, maybe were hoping um, would come out. Hoping is the wrong word, but the, the definitive statement that we thought may come. Uh, I'll just read this verbatim here. A Big Ten Conference statement regarding conversation with the White House. A White House representative reached out to Big Ten Conference Commissioner Kevin Warren on mon- Monday, August 31st, 2020, to facilitate a-, a phone call between President Donald J. Trump and Commissioner Warren. On Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, that's today, Commissioner Warren and the President had a productive conversation. The Big Ten Conference and its Return to Competition Task Force, on behalf of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, are exhausting every resource to help student-athletes get back to playing the sports they love at the appropriate time in the safest and healthiest way possible. And that's all the statement is. So not really the definitive thing that uh, that at least I was looking for one way or the other. Um, that doesn't answer the questions, and it doesn't uh, really put this to bed a- at all. A- actually, to me, I guess I kind of read that as, hey, there's still a chance. You know, keep, keep, keep getting your hopes up. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you know that's... what that lacks? You know what that statement lacks? Any transparency. What are you doing? Right. Well, you know, what, what are the possibilities Give people something. And it just, again, with the, you know, just pulling on people's emotions here because that all that statement's going to do on top of the president's statement. And maybe this is, maybe they actually are thinking about trying to start football in October. And if they are, that's fine. Let us know that. Yes. But don't yeah, give right. people this hope now, maybe for the next day, two days, three days, a week, and then come back and say, we're not doing it. You know, we're, we, you know, we're not going to just be transparent. And, and I just, I never, I, Andrew, I've been around this conference since 97 when I started covering it. And I never thought that we would see, um, 
this much kind of division yeah. and just lack of direction. It's really disappointing. It really is kind of a fall from grace, and we'll see how long that lasts. You know, I'm still of the mind that this isn't like a a thing that's going to long term hurt recruiting a whole lot or, or anything like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not an alarmist on that front, but uh, certainly the the PR issues have been bad and uh, don't seem to be getting any better anytime soon. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Since the last time you and I spoke, Rob, Iowa has made uh, some big moves in order to kind of cope with the fact that there isn't going to be, or at least we don't think there's going to be, uh, college football in Iowa City this fall. Um, the biggest of those, obviously, is is the cutting of four sports permanently at the end of this athletic calendar. So men's and women's swimming and diving, men's tennis and men's gymnastics uh, will all no longer be Hawkeye sports. Uh, in addition to that, Gary Barta said that they're looking at getting, I think, a $75 million loan in order to, uh, to kind of stay afloat through this. Um, so certainly, you know terrible for those players and coaches and administration and parents and anybody who you know had dreams of becoming an Iowa Hawkeye swimmer or a men's gymnast I mean you know terrible terrible things all around and and kind of what we hoped wouldn't happen but thought probably would happen uh, we finally got some clarity on that now I think the good news is uh, Gary Barta said they don't expect to have to cut any more sports um, I you know I, I would guess salaries and bonuses and things like that may be affected but uh, luckily only those four sports will be cut but that that's still a big cut from a from an athletic department yeah no question Andrew it's sad and um I haven't done it a ton recently, um, but through the throughout the years, I've gotten to know, you know, the non-revenue sports athletes and done stories on them, and they work as hard and train as hard as the revenue sports, and just have a you know, a lot of their life invested in those sports. And you come to a school, you get there, um, and you're thinking, okay, I've got four years, and then boom. You know, the, the rug is pulled out from under you. Um, it's just and, and swimming has such a incredible history at Iowa. Not that the other sports don't, um, but just, you know, from Olympic swimmers to, you know, world champion swimmers to and just, you know, I forget when it was. I guess it was probably 10 to 15 years ago that they built that new facility over there just the state of the art i mean they've hold they've held national championships there um just really sad and and um you know it's going to happen you know iowa was the first to do it in the big 10 but you have to think that it's going to happen um not only big 10 wide but but nationally and it's just it's unfortunate that uh we've gotten to this point uh hopefully if anything comes out of this there's a little bit more fiscal responsibility andrew uh in these athletic departments to maybe uh and i think we've talked about this on the podcast just having money you know the rainy day fund and well for you know nobody can really plan for a pandemic but just any type of crises that you have um hopefully there's a little bit better 
fiscal responsibility and accounting uh, done moving forward here. So these things don't have to happen. And I, it's unfortunate. I saw um, one of the videographers for Iowa football lost his job and did a, you know, a fantastic job. People are going to lose jobs. People are going to get furloughed. Uh, It's this thing is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So lost four sports and uh, and then also lost uh, an icon last week uh, as Lute Olson passed away at the age of 85. Uh, Rick Brown has a couple of really good pieces on HawkeyeNation.com uh, about Coach Olson and uh, and about kind of the, the three giants that Iowa has lost in the last nine months between Bump Elliott, Hayden Fry, and now Lute Olson. Um, you know, Lute Olson was before my time as a Hawkeye fan, Rob. When I think of Lute Olson, I think of an Arizona head coach. Um, but clearly, I'm aware of the impact he had on Iowa and, and the fact that, you know, kind of Iowa basketball's biggest accomplishments all happened under him. Uh, at least the last time those things happened, they happened under him. The last Big Ten championship uh, outright, the last uh, Final Four. Uh, I know a lot about those teams and in the, in the last few days have certainly heard a lot and read a lot about his impact on, on the university and, uh, you know, building Carver Hawkeye Arena and all of that kind of stuff. What do you remember most about, about Coach Olson? A lot of it is from what I've read and interviews and things like that with former players and loot. We we were fortunate enough to interview loot within the last four or five years. He was back for a game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I think it was uh, to remember the final four team. Uh, honor and remember the anniversary of that final four team and um, got to interview him in the Iowa football practice facility along with Ronnie Lester and that was just kind of neat listening to them tell stories and that's more I was not here and I don't really remember loot that well from his time at Iowa other than remembering watching those those seasons and um, uh, you know it's my, my, I've learned more about his impact through interviews with with people that were he was involved with here throughout the years, and you know I think how that team really rallied around Kenny Arnold before his tragic passing, um, and, and stood by him with his fight uh, through disease, and how Luke was always a big part of that, even though he was removed and and really had built a new life in Arizona. I think that really spoke to his impact here, just in terms of uh, the connections he made when he was here. And you know, if you listen, you know, if you talk to you know Ronnie Lester, or Bobby Hansen, or any of the guys that that played for Lute, um, just you know, just thankful for his impact on their lives and uh that's what it's all about right if you're a coach you're trying to impact young lives and by all accounts that's what loot did and he was here for you know a, a glorious time for iowa athletics we talk about what's going on now with the wrestling program and the basketball program and the football program and women's basketball and how things are on the rise here People talk a lot about that time when Loot was here as the last time that it was this good. So I think that's important to remember your history, and he's certainly a, a big part of Iowa athletic history. Is he is he the best basketball coach Iowa's ever had? Most successful maybe would be the better, better way to put that? Yeah, I mean, it's the last Big Ten championship. It's the last Final Four until yeah. somebody's able to, to you know, lift the program up to those heights. I think he's, he's the guy up there. I mean, there were 
mean, there were really good teams in the 50s and the 60s, uh, you know, at Iowa basketball. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, Chuck Darling and those teams were, uh, you know, the, the six pack and all those teams. I just think it was a time in college basketball when it was right around you know and not right around it was during the time of magic and bird where college basketball really rose to that next level and iowa was a part of that because of because of lute olson so it's tough to get up there again we'll see uh fingers crossed for this season andrew um <laughs> this yes. bubble whatever they got to do to play it but you know it'd be nice to to listen to stories about those that final four team as it relates to this year's Final Four team. Ah, that'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? It'd be a lot of fun. Well, uh, you know, speaking of this year's Final Four-bound team, hopefully uh, one of the things that's cool on the website right now is, uh, and one of the reasons you and I didn't record yesterday, is you got to have some time with uh, Connor McCaffrey and, and do kind of a cool podcast with him. I haven't had a chance to listen to all of it, but I've read your little write-up on it, and uh, it certainly seems uh, seems fun. Don't give it all away because people can find it in their feed, but uh, what are the, some of the fun things you, you talked about with, uh, with Connor? Yeah, some kind of just uh, real lighthearted. Some of it was more serious. Um, some of it was, you know, in between that. We talked about the team and kind of what needed to happen this year for it to, to, to live up to expectations. Uh, we talked about, you know, his involvement with uh, the big, you know, being a member of the Big Ten's anti-hate, anti-racism committee and also being a member of the multicultural uh, initiative in the Iowa athletic department. He's a part of both of those. Why, why equality and diversity is so important to him. Uh, we talked about, uh, obviously, you know, the, the strange year it's been the quarantining that the Iowa basketball team had to deal with during the outbreak and in relation to that, they were trying to come up with things to keep themselves busy and occupied. And they had a home run derby, Connor did not take part in it, but they went to a local field in Iowa City here, and it was Luca Garza, Joe Toussaint, Patrick McCaffrey, Michael Bear, and Austin Ash. And I assume I, I probably should have asked, but I think Connor was throwing throwing the BP, and they had home run, a home run derby. I won't give away the results. You're going to have to listen to the podcast, and <laughs> and you'll also be able to hear how Luca Garza did with a bat in his hands. And then also Joe Tucson, who Connor told me had never played baseball before oh, interesting. Uh, or picked up a bat. So we talked about that for about five or ten minutes, so that's a good portion. We, it's an over an hour podcast. We touched on a, little, a lot of different subjects. Um, you know, kind of we, we talked into, you know, about the, the COVID situation with, you know, I asked him, you know, you know, how concerned with you, with your dad being a little bit older and coach Sparrow and coach Dillard and Patrick being compromised because of the cancer. And he revealed to me, I'll give this away from the podcast that his little sister, his younger sister, Mart has really severe asthma. Um, so the family had to be really careful and it's still being really careful around her because she's kind of freaked out because it's obviously uh, a, a respiratory virus. So a lot of different things like that. He's, his, you know, his success in, in academics, 
uh, how he's been trying to stay sharp in baseball. Sometimes we forget that he's a two sport athlete and, you know, two sports were impacted for him. Uh, So he is right now spending more time with the baseball team than he is with the basketball team. Well, he was until the sports got shut down this week. Now he's not doing either one. But uh, fall baseball is kind of a a big deal at this time of year. So he's been dedicating more time to that recently. But uh, a lot of good stuff on there. I've known Connor since he was a freshman in high school. Really thoughtful, intelligent young dude uh who really gave me uh and the people who choose to listen to the podcast a lot of a lot of meat on that bone well we will check that out what else should we uh, be looking for on hawkeynation.com i know you got some recruiting pieces uh peyton sanford from waukee feeling wanted by iowa basketball uh what, what, what should we be looking for and what should we be looking for the rest of the week yeah, trying to get into some more recruiting. Today's the first day, September 1st, that the Iowa football coaches can have direct contact with the class of 2022. Uh, for people that don't like to do math like me, those are high school juniors. Um, so Iowa can send out correspondence. You'll see if you're on Twitter uh, today, Tuesday, September 1st, you'll see a lot of different graphics that, I, you know, the recruits that uh, I was pursuing will tweet out. I'll retweet some of those. Um, I, I spoke with Jordan uh, Vander Ross, who, who plays at Tampa Jesuit, uh, Iowa offered him last month. He was uh, high school teammates with Dane Belton uh, and also knows, knows Jor- Jordan Oladokun uh, pretty well. Um, so he's got some connections. He's got Iowa on top right now as a kid with a lot of really nice offers. So I'm going to have a story on him either tonight or tomorrow. And I'll catch up with more recruits and just trying to get an idea. Because this is a big – Iowa's got, I believe, 17 or 18 commitments already in the 2021 class, uh, the high school seniors. So a lot of that work is done. Uh, so we're going to try to – connect with some of these kids in the junior class and see kind of where Iowa stands for with them. Iowa only, I believe only has one commitment in that class from uh, Aaron Graves and in-state defensive lineman. So really strange times. We talk about this throughout uh, the time we've been doing this podcast together, Andrew, about just how strange these times are um, really strange for recruiting. You know, the, for these kids, they can't get to campus. They can't do uh, in-person uh, you know, host um, coaches at their schools and meet face to face with these coaches. Everything's being done virtually. This dead period that started in the middle of March when the pandemic hit is running at least through the end of September. And I got to think it's probably going to run past that. So just a really interesting time for recruiting and, and how the landscape has changed and how these recruits have to go about finding their future homes. So we'll continue to tell those stories and, and try to get connected with guys that uh that are liking iowa at this point and uh and that will do that for both both uh football and basketball well nobody does a better job of doing that rob and we uh we appreciate the coverage we'll certainly be looking into that uh, when you and i reconvene at some point next week uh who knows what the hell we'll be talking about it could could be a a season could be no season could be a basketball bubble we will uh we'll just have to determine when we get there but i appreciated this as always enjoyed it uh thank you ma'am yeah, it was good to catch up, Andrew, after the week off. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I'm I'm firmly confident now that we will always have something to talk about. <laughs> yes. If we can get through these six months, <laughs> we can get through anything. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, we'll talk to all of you then as well. Thank you so much for listening. Go Hawks. <laughs>